You're listening to the preaching ministry of Redemption Bible Church in New Braunfels, Texas, where we are proclaiming the authority of God's Word without apology. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you as you seek to worship Christ, walk with Christ, and work for Christ, all to the glory of God. For more information about our church, please visit redemption.bible. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you soon at one of our upcoming worship services. This morning, we are going to be in John 15, 9 through 17, all right? Uh, and so to catch us up, if you have missed some, if you this is your first time, we've been walking through the book of John for a while now, and, and this portion that we're in is called the Upper Room Discourse. Um, this is Jesus kind of gathering his guys together in that final moments before he's going to go to the cross. Um uh, and he's, he's bringing to mind and reminding them things that he's taught them along the way. He's, he's reiterating commands that he's given them. It's kind of like if you would picture him, he's kind of huddling them up. And he's like, hey, pay attention, guys. This is important. You're going to need this when I'm gone. And so we're just continuing in that process, right? We, we preach verse by verse, week by week. We're going through this. Um, and, and this message is actually kind of like a part two of last week. So I encourage you, if you missed it, just uh, go back, listen to, you know, the message last week that Pastor Blair preached, um, and that was about abiding in Christ, right? It's uh, getting plugged into the power source that we need for life, to to live, to flourish in this life. And and so today, we're going to kind of continue in that message talking about abiding in Christ's love. And this actually even sets us up the way it's situated for next week. Uh, kind of we need these things because next week we're going to talk about the hate of the world towards Christ and his people. So uh, you see that they're building in, in this continuity. But um, kind of enough of that. We'll, we'll kind of get into that, but we want to get into his word, right? So if you would turn to John 15, we're going to be starting in verse 9. You can read along with me. It says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this that someone laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I have commanded you so that you will love one another. This is God's word for us this morning. And so, like I said, our discussion this morning is, is that continuation. It's building on the idea of abiding in Christ. And so this kind of takes that idea of abiding in Christ, which is big, kind of funnels it down to this idea of abiding in Jesus' love. And 
what we find is as we talk about abiding in Christ, we, we, you know, we have that idea of being plugged into a power source. And so that gives us the, the kind of like what we're supposed to do in our life. And what we find with the abiding in love is the why. Why do we do what we do? Why do we love the way he calls us to? Now, John is, is recounting for us what Jesus is telling his disciples. And we have to understand that this isn't just for them then. This is for us now. And it was for his disciples. And he's telling them, like, look, you gotta come in close. You gotta be completely dependent, like we've sang this morning. You gotta depend on me. You gotta be in me. And so as we abide in the love of Christ, our love for him grows. And I want to remind us really what that word abide means, because we talked about it last week, but if you missed it, like this isn't a word that we commonly say, hey, like, hey, come abide at my house. Right? What, what it means is to dwell in, to dwell with, to, to live in, to continue and to stay. Right? And so as, as we're hearing this passage today, we want that in our mind. That's what we're called to do. We're to dwell in, to live in the love of Christ, to stay in the love of Christ, to continue in the love of Christ. And like I said, as we do this, our love for Christ continues to grow. Our love for his word continues to grow. And our love for the brothers and sisters continues to grow. And so, as we talked about earlier, the, the idea that we are a vertical church, that's what we see here, right? Our love vertically, loving God, translates and overflows into love horizontally for those who are Christ. So our main point today, uh, I hope you're a note taker, you can write this down. If you're not a note taker, write it down anyway. Nail, this is our main point. You cannot truly love one another if you don't abide in Jesus' love. Like, you can't truly love one another. Jesus' love is the key to gospel living. And we talk a lot about you know, the one another's of Scripture here at Redemption. This is the, the guidelines of how we live together, right? And, and the first and foremost one that we talk about is, is we love one another. Because if we love one another, all the rest of those one another start to fall into place. Kind of as we look at the commandments. If we start with love, they all kind of fall into place. But as we want to live out these, uh, this idea of gospel community, we have to start by loving one another. And to do that, we have to abide in the love of Jesus. Now, I want to also share with you this morning, there's a verse, and we've, we've touched on it a little bit over this last part of the series, but um, really the, the letter of 1 John really runs parallel to everything we're hearing. And there's a passage that I think just enhances our understanding. It gives uh, a little more uh, depth to even what we're hearing this morning. So I'm just going to read parts of it for you. It's in 1 John 4 uh, and starting in verse 7. But I, I encourage you, go back and read through this later. But he, John starts, he says, Beloved, let us love one another. 
For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. He's describing an attribute of God, an essence of God. He is. So what makes him up, part of that, is love. It goes on in verse 10, he says, In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, the payment, the atoning payment for us, for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, and if we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. And drops down a little further at the end of verse 16. It says, God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. And that's a great reiteration of what we've read this morning. That, like, it's all kind of going together, right? We have to love God, and we can love God because he loved us first, and in that, then we can love each other, and it's all this beautiful symmetry. And it's interesting that as we understand this, as John even understands this, you, you see it come out in things like his language. In the gospel, he refers to himself, not boasting, but as the disciple that Jesus loved. Right? It gives him identity. Jesus loved me, and that's the most important thing. And what you see is in the epistle, he starts referring to the other believers as beloved. You're precious to me. I love you. And, I, and as I look at this, I, I want that for us. I want our hearts to be transformed to where we sit around this room and we see people and we love them deeply. That we would think, Beloved of each other. And so, as, as I want you to keep those in mind as we start going through this. The, the first point this morning is that we, as we abide in Jesus' love, we have the fullness of joy. As we abide in his love, we have fullness of joy. And so, Jesus starts this section, right, this passage that we're looking at with this idea. He says, as the fathers love me, so have I loved you. And this is, this is pretty huge. Like, I don't think we really grasp this, but as the eternal God, the, the Father loves the eternal God, the Son, that perfect love, that eternal love, that's the same way Jesus loves us. That's what he says. That as the, the, God the Father loves God the Son in a unifying purpose, that's the way he loves us. I'll let that sink in a little. That's, that's the kind of love that Jesus is talking about as he starts this. And then he gives the command. He says, abide in my love. And make no mistake, this is a command this isn't, hey, if you feel like it, abide in my love, or hey, when it's convenient, or you know, depending on how your emotional state is. No, it says, abide in my 
love. This is a command. And the beautiful thing about this command is that it has a corresponding promise, as is so often the case. It says, abide in my love, and if you abide in my love, my joy, Jesus' joy, will be in us, and our joy will be full. And this idea of fullness in here, think think of like a barrel that is just filled up to the very brim, ready to spill over. There's no room for anything else. As his joy comes in us, it, it fills us to the point where we're ready to spill over. Or think of it in this way, as like Jesus' joy is stuffed into us till where we're just ready to burst. Does anybody know anybody like that? Like, there's people in our life, like, we see them, and you can just see the joy of Jesus just, like, ready to spill out on us. We want to be around those people. We, like, we want it to spill out on us. These are people that are, their joy is unaffected by their circumstances. Now, it doesn't mean that circumstances don't get them hurting when things hurt, but but it doesn't affect their joy because their joy is in Christ. And I'll tell you, praise God for these people. We want them in our life. We should seek them out because they're reflecting that they have a deep abiding love. And it's filled them up. But maybe you're like me. Maybe you have moments of that kind of joy. But it's not all the time, like not as much as we want. You, you have those times where you are really abiding, and it shows, like you just feel it, like you are ready to spill out on some people. But there's other times that we're not. And what I've found in my life, and it may be true with you, is as things of the world just waits and sin draws my attention, pulls my eyes and heart off of Jesus, I let it steal his joy from me. As I follow those paths of being led away, I'm letting those things steal the joy of Christ from in me. I'm no longer feeling that fullness. And just possibly you're in here today and you have never felt that feeling, that feeling of being so full of joy that that you are ready to burst. You want to. Maybe you've been around church, but you haven't really trusted that this is true for you, that, that Christ came to save you. And I would tell you, if, if you seek that, that it only comes through Christ, and so confess and believe, and really as a, as, a, as a gift of him coming into you, you get that joy. But I think that's something we should all be striving for. We should be really focused, am, am I abiding to have that produced in me? But you might be thinking, as you look especially at verse 10, because it starts, if you keep my commandments. And you might be thinking, oh, this is a requirement. 
this is a step to getting Jesus' love or getting Jesus' joy is I have to keep his commands. There's a, a list of rules that I have to check off so I can get there. And I want to be as gentle as I can, but not really. Like, you're reading it completely backwards. It absolutely does not say that. There is, there's no checklist you can do to receive him. You just believe. What he's talking about here is, is you will do the commands. You'll, you'll get to the what has to be done if you abide in his love. And so his love is the how we do those things. Great example of this, all right, why we follow commands. If, if we're following them out of love, it's very different than following them out of obligation. My children, there's household rules. And one of the rules is you've got to clean your room, at least every once in a while, because we've got to get through to the bed or something, right? But... When I tell them, go clean your room, the response tells me how they're receiving that. Is it an obligation where they, ah, and stomp their feet, uh, and, and like, and then you go and the end result is, eh, it's not really clean, right? Or are they responding in love that they're going to go do this because they love, and then there's a joy in it. They're going to do it. And the result is it's done well. So this is important as we think of these things. And it's so important that Jesus even uh, sets this up. In, in, in Matthew 22, which is a, a verse that we commonly refer to as the greatest commandment, right? He's asked, what, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus says the sum of all the commandments is first, love God vertical, and love each other, horizontal. And if we can get this right, like all the rest of the commandments start to fall into place. I want to do those things because I love, because I love Christ, and because I love people. And so in order to do that, in order to get to the how we do it, is we have to abide in his love to keep those commandments. This is also demonstrates that, you know, that Jesus was talking to his disciples. He, was, he wasn't talking to everybody. It wasn't a big crowd. He was talking to his disciples, his followers, his friends. And that's what we're going to talk about next. Our next point is, as we abide in Jesus' love, we show that we are friends of Jesus. As we abide in his love, it starts to reflect from us, and it demonstrates that we are friends of Christ. So we're abiding. Now, how are we abiding? We're staying in. We're in that relational aspect. We're praying. We're reading his word. We're with him. We're setting our dependence on him. So we're abiding in his love and then that starts to flow out. But Jesus used some language here that might be confusing for some of us, right? Because he says, you are no longer servants, you are friends. And then you can read where the other, like Peter and, and Paul are saying, like, I am a slave 
Christ. We, we read it all through Scripture, a servant, a slave. And we go, wait, but are we a slave? Or are we a friend? Are, you know, are we children? Are we brothers and sisters? What? And the answer is yes. Yes. These are all relational aspects of our relationship with Christ. Yes, we're servants. We're slaves to Christ because he paid for us on the cross. Bought the debt we owed. But at the same time, we're friends. And what's the difference? So each idea reveals an aspect of relationship. And right here, he's telling them, you're not just servants. Your job isn't just to check the box, just to do the thing that I've told you to do. But I call you friends. So that, that relationship has slightly changed. And he says, look, you're, you're not ignorant anymore. You're not just, hey, I got a task list and I got to do them. I don't know why I'm doing all this stuff, but I, I'm going to do the things. He says, I, I've, I've told you, I've revealed to you all that the Father has told me. And what this does is it, he's telling them the why we do it. Right? There's a what we're doing. We're following the commandments. We're keeping those commandments. We're, we're going to get to bearing fruit. We know the how is in love. But what he's doing is he's telling us the why, and the why is that relationship. The why is that he loved us first. And this is important because with the why, we start to understand and we start to respond rightly. So he changes our why. And now we desire, we have a zeal for his commands. And as I'm reading through this, I was reminded, like, just the idea of how relationships change. And, and so I was younger in the Army um, and had my friends, and I got promoted. And I was suddenly in charge of my friends. And this can be really awkward, because now I'm in charge of the guys that I used to stand shoulder to shoulder with and make fun of the guy who was in charge of us. <laughs> and, and so um, there's this, uh-oh, what do we do? We're, fr we're still friends. And this is an opportunity, really, to slack off. Like, I don't have to do it. What's he going to do? He's my friend. He's a buddy of mine. I, don't, I, don't, I, I can even do bad. He's not going to discipline me. Or I can just do enough just to get by, just check the blocks, not do anything bad to get in trouble. And, and praise God that these guys were real friends. And that friendship shined through. Because they didn't just do the bare minimum. They didn't get in trouble, but they, they gave all they had. They did their best because we were friends. And that's what Jesus is saying. Like, like this is your why. Because we are friends, I give you this opportunity to love and serve like that. It changes the dynamics of our relationship. And so as we are friends of Jesus, now I hope we, we want to give our all. We want to follow his commands. 
But we have to know that we have to do it in love. And it's not checking the block. I want to make this clear. Like, I found this great quote from Charles Spurgeon. I'm going to read it for you. It's on this subject. And he says, Abstinence from evil is a great part of righteousness. Right? Everybody agree? Abstinence from evil is a great part of righteousness. But he goes on and says, but it is not enough for friendship. It's not enough for friendship. Our, relation calls for, our relationship calls for more than just abstaining from evil. But it calls us to respond in love. And how can we do this? Why can we do this? It's because of the relationship, and this relationship, it's very important to point out, was not initiated by us. Look at verse 16. It says, You did not choose me, but I chose you. It's very important. God initiated this. Christ chose us as his. And that's why we have the relationship. I want you to think about this in your life. So, like, think about the people in your relational circles, maybe at work, maybe at school. And what if somebody you absolutely did not know, or better yet, somebody who was kind of an enemy to you, was, was treating you bad, all of a sudden started walking around, and he's like, hey, I'm Eric's bestie. Don't tell anybody I said that word bestie. But, like... They're, they're saying that they're my friend, and I'm like, no, you're not. I don't know you. Like, they can't choose to be my friend without me involved. Or, or put it this way, like, anybody, like, checking out uh, the, the coronation ceremony for, you know, King Charles now? And what if I would just watch that, and then I started saying, like, hey, I, that's my friend. I saw him on TV. That's my friend. I've seen stuff around him, and he got word of it. Well, what do you say? Like, no. I'd probably get arrested or something for stalking. Like, this is how it is. Like, we don't get to go, Jesus is my friend, unless he chose us. And so as he chooses us, he draws us into that relationship. It changes all the dynamics of it. So because Jesus chose us, then we get to respond with great joy to his graciously choosing us. Does that make sense? He gets to draw us in. He's the one who said, you, I called you my friends. And then he appoints us, it says. He chose us and he appointed us that we should go and bear fruit. Now, we've, we've talked a little bit last week on the fruit of the Spirit, right? Galatians 5, and 23 has this list of the fruit of the Spirit. Um, and this is in us. These are things that should be growing. And so as we talked about abiding in Christ, these are growing. But it's, it's no, like, accident that as we read it, it starts with love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. And next is joy. Kind of like he's saying here, when, when you love, your joy gets filled up, and then kind of the rest of them fall into place. 
peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Like I, I have to sing it in my head, and you guys don't want to see that. So, um, But as we are growing in love, these other ones are growing in us, and then there's this outflow. And that's really what this is talking about. Was it talks about bearing fruit. This is, this is the deeds we do. And if you see, it says that this fruit should abide. It should stay. It should continue on. And as we think about this, we, what we see is this, this idea of there should be eternal impact in our deeds, right? Because we're chosen, because he's appointed us, he, he's empowered us through his love, and that love should flow out, and that should lead to eternal impact in what we do and what we say, and those things should shape everything. And it's shaped through us abiding in love. And, and that eternal impact is fruit that abides. And so as we abide in love, we're filled with joy, the joy of Jesus. And the love starts to drive our actions. And that's in all areas of our life. This shouldn't be something that's compartmentalized. It starts to grow and impact all areas of our life. And we display that we are Jesus' friends. We demonstrate that we are his friends as he's called us. And we start to be shaped to look more like Jesus as we love like Jesus. And that brings us to our final point this morning. As we abide in Jesus' love, we love like Jesus. Now, as we've been going through, I don't know if you noticed, but I jumped over verses 12 and 13 earlier. I hope you noticed, because that would mean you were paying attention. And if you didn't, guess what? I jumped over verses 12 and 13, and we're going to get to those. But they really connect very much to the last thing Jesus says in this discourse, this part of it. And that's verse 17. So these things I command you, so that. And when we see so that, that's a purpose statement, right? It tells us, as we look back over really this, this last two weeks of Jesus telling us these, abide in him, abide in my love, do the commandments out of love. He says, these things I command you, so that you will love one another. Notice what it didn't say. It didn't say, these things I command you so you will be set apart from those around you, the unbelievers. Uh, it didn't say, do these things that I command you so that you are nice to the other believers. Like, there's a lot of things that it could say. The purpose of loving is to love one another. It's to love one another as Christ loved us. And so our purpose in abiding in Christ, our purpose in abiding in his love is to love one another, the outcome. And I want to make this clear. Like, this, what he's talking about is for us. It's for the disciples. It's for the believers. It's for the followers. It's for the friends of Christ. Now, 
That does not mean that we're not kind or merciful or hospitable to unbelievers. Because we want to reflect Christ to the world, right? Said so no one's seen God. Remember we read that earlier in 1 John? No one's seen God, but when they see us loving, they get that glimpse of Christ. So it doesn't mean that we don't love them, but what it does mean is this is first. Our vertical and then this group right here. This is that unifying love that we talked about earlier, right? I want you to take a second and look around the room, and you will see that we all come from very different backgrounds, very various backgrounds, different ages, different everything. But our unifying purpose is to love Christ and to love each other. This is a, a love that stays. Despite different backgrounds, even despite some different understandings in certain doctrines, we're still, if we're unified in love, we can come and worship together. And I'll tell you, I, I went on a trip years ago to China, and um, I was with a pastor, uh, and all our plans got totally scrambled and shut down, and we ended up doing some ministry in an area we didn't expect. We ended up partnering with a team of missionaries from Brazil. And as we were ministering alongside each other, started to notice that the pastor I was with kind of started probing about what they believe, like the isms, right? And so he started vaguely asking some questions to, to see where these guys stood on, you know, certain issues. And so he asks this question, and this Brazilian man who, just beautiful soul, I love this, he, he responds, he says, do you love me? And the pastor I'm with thinks, oh, there must be a communication barrier or something, like language barrier. That, so he starts to be more detailed and describe a little more, and the guy goes, no, no, no. I understood your question. I'm asking you, do you love me? Because if you love me, we can talk about that. Because that's a thing that can divide. There are a lot of divisive issues in this world, and even in, in the body of believers. But if you love me as a brother and sister in Christ, then we can talk about that. We can worship together because the unifying purpose is love. So Jesus has told us how to love, how to fulfill this very clearly. In, in verse 12, it says, This is my commandment, that you love one another. Right? All right, we heard that over and over. He says, as I have loved you. Jesus likes to put those caveats on things, right? Kind of up the bar. Yeah, we were told long ago. In the Old Testament, we were told repeatedly we're supposed to love one another. And he says, no, no, no. As I loved you. And that changes it. How did Jesus love us? Jesus loved us enough to 
step down out of the glories of heaven to come and live a life in this broken creation, in, in, in the dust that he used to create us, in the sin-infested world, he lived the perfect life sinless and then died on the cross for our sins to pay what we owed, to pay off our debt, our eternal debt. And so he says, love like that. He's telling him, I'm, like he's told him, I'm getting ready to go die. This is how you're going to love. And just to kind of drive it home, he, he continues, he says in 13, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. He's confirming that. Like it's a sacrificial love is how you're going to love. Now, if you're like me in my background, again, military background, I've seen this verse before used to say, we sacrifice for you. It's used often in the military. It's used in law enforcement. And I will tell you, and I'm not taking anything from military and law enforcement. Like, these guys put everything on the line uh, to be guardians for us, to, to look after our, our life and freedom, right? Love them. But they're missing the point. The emphasis when it's used in that setting is, is sacrifice. I will take a bullet for you. And Jesus says it's the why. It's out of love. So our sacrificial love is what he says to do. Love each other like that. And does that mean we got to go die? No. But we have to die to self. have to die to self-exaltation. We have to die to self-righteousness. We have to die to our selfish desires and motivations. Right? That's how we're commanded to love. So I want us thinking about this. Do you want to love your spouse? Love them like Jesus loves. You want to love your children? Love them like Jesus loves them. You want to love your parents' children? Love them like Jesus loves. You want to love the people in this room, the body of believers, our brothers and sisters in Christ? Love them like Jesus loved. And we can only love like Jesus if we abide in his love, we have to live there. He alone is the source of our love, and he alone is the model of our love.